Well, once again, everyone, welcome to our 11 o'clock service this morning. For all those who are joining us online, I know it's a different time, but you're here, so you did it. And we just want to say to everyone, yeah, let's give them a hand. Man, it's so good to be live with you here today, this morning. And I just want to again say happy Father's Day to everyone here today. Um, for all the men that are here. And yeah, let's give all the men a hand here. Happy Father's Day. It's a great day. We want to honor our fathers today. And this morning, we have a very special time uh, in the Word. We're going to have four, count them, four different speakers speaking to you for a total of five minutes. I was joking with the first service. I was thinking about having a gong at the back of the service. And then every, at the end of five minutes, just bang, boom, you know, but we're not doing that. Uh, we're going to have uh, Professor Steve Cohen. I, no, just kidding. Steve Cohen's going to be speaking. My father is going to be speaking, Gary Jansen. And then we're going to have Pastor Mike in lieu of Pastor Ev, who's, who's at home right now watching this live. And he did a really great job for service, Pastor Ev. So get excited. And then my beautiful wife, Tanya, is going to close it today. So without any further ado, let's just give it up for Steve Cohen. morning, everybody. I am Steve Cohn. I have three children who are downstairs. Their beautiful mother is here with us today. And um, yeah, so my topic today is actually a question. Why do we need fathers? Now, the funny thing about this is that nobody ever asked this question about mothers. <laughs> so why is that? Well, there's actually some history behind it. In fact, for a long time during much of the 20th century, there was no research done into the importance of fathers. In a number of studies that used over 2,000 parents who responded to questions about parenting, not one father was interviewed. And in the small number of parent studies that investigated the father's role, the few studies that we have that focused on the father's involvement were only reported on by the mothers. So an indirect result of the lack of research data on fathers was the implied assumption that they weren't interested in fathering. However, the pendulum slowly began to swing back in the 1970s. And now, as fathers have become more involved, we have research into the importance of fathers. And yet God knew all along the importance of fathers. I love it when scripture finally, or sorry, I love it when the secular world finally catches up with scripture. Dr. David Pinopo, professor of sociology at Rutgers University, has provided us with a good summary. He says, fathers are far more than just a second adult in the home. Involved fathers, especially biological fathers, bring positive benefits to their children that no other person is as likely to bring. They provide protection and economic support and male role models. They have a parenting style that is significantly different from that of a mother. And that difference is important in the healthy child development. Deuteronomy 1 says, There you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a father carries his son, all the way you went along until you reached this place. So what is this difference between fathers and mothers? Well, fathers encourage competition, engendering independence. Mothers promote equity, creating a sense of security. Dads emphasize conceptual communication, which helps kids expand their vocabulary and intellectual capacities. Moms major in sympathy, care, 
and help, thus demonstrating the importance of relationships. Dads tend to see their child in relation to the rest of the world, whereas moms tend to see the rest of the world in relation to their children. Neither style of parenting is adequate in and of itself, but taken together, they balance each other out and equip the up-and-coming generation with a healthy, well-rounded approach. Scripture tells us that we need to discipline our children. Hebrews 12 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Ephesians 6 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We also need to prepare them for adulthood. Proverbs 22 says, Start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 1 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. The magazine Psychology Today agrees. Even from birth, children who have an involved father are more likely to be emotionally secure, be confident to explore their surroundings, and as they grow older, have better social connections. Children with involved, caring fathers also have better education outcomes. Numerous studies find that an active and nurturing style of fathering is associated with better verbal skills, intellectual functioning, and academic achievement among adolescents. Having a positive male role model helps an adolescent boy develop positive gender role characteristics. Adolescent girls are more likely to form positive opinions of men and are better able to relate to them when parented by an, uh, an involved father. Proverbs 4 says, I will guide you in the way of wisdom, and I will lead you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Fathers, encourage your children. Model the person you want your kids to become. How to behave. What to value. Show your son how to treat his future wife. And be the kind of man you want your daughters to marry. Notice the use of this term involved fathers. We need to be present. So that, um, yeah, and we need to be caring and loving. Psalms 103 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Luke 15, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. 2 Samuel 7, I will be a father to him, and he'll be a son to me. When he does wrong, I'll discipline him in the usual ways, the pitfalls and obstacles of this mortal life, but I'll never remove my gracious love from him. Malachi 4, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And finally, we get to enjoy our kids and have fun. Fathers spend a higher percentage of their one-to-one -one interactions with infants and preschoolers playing. From these interactions, children learn how to regulate their feelings and behavior. Proverbs 23 says, The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. According to child psychologist Kyle Pruitt, a father's more active play style and comparatively slower response time to a toddler or infant experiencing frustration serve to promote problem-solving competencies and independence in the child. So fun is good. But remember, we started talking about discipline and training. We aren't trying to be their friend. We have a job to do, and it's important.
So I'll finish with some numbers from the University of Texas. Children who grow up with involved fathers are 39% more likely to earn mostly A's in school. They're 45% less likely to repeat a grade. They're 60% less likely to be suspended or expelled from school. They're twice as likely to go to college and find stable employment after high school. They're 75% less likely to have a teen birth and 80% less likely to spend time in jail. So fathers today, be encouraged. You have a job and it's important. Thank you. Thank you. And it is now my pleasure to introduce Gary Jansen, a great man of God and a wonderful father. Thank you, Steve. <clears throat> you know, uh, I just love listen listening to that voice, that sound. Uh, my voice is like that at about 3 o'clock in the morning. If you'd call me, it would be just... But, but the moment I kind of go through my first sentence, it gets to this. And so it's kind of like, okay, thank you, Lord. But uh, no, just, just uh, powerful thoughts there, powerful truth there. And uh, boy, what, what an opportunity we have to, to change our world around us and what God has given to us. Yes. It's an amazing honor to uh, have a few moments to speak to you today about a subject that's very dear to my heart, fathering the generations. Uh, I'm very emotional. I, I, I cry when the Canucks score a goal. And so <laughs> it's uh, something that is just a par part of me. My kids always make fun of me when I cry. But uh, yeah. But uh, we have four children, and, and uh, we have a very international. I prayed for an international family. And boy, uh, Matt married a beautiful Canadian lady here. And, and uh, our second son married a girl from Australia who is of mixed race. Our, our third, uh, d my daughter, married an American, which can be good or bad, I suppose. And, and uh, then our fourth uh, child, which is born in Rwanda, Jackson, he married a girl from Costa Rica. And so when we gather together, we solve all the world's problems within about an hour of you know, mutual conversation. And, and that's just a wonderful uh, kaleidoscope of what God is doing in the world. And so I'm excited to, to father that group. Just even kind of thinking about what uh, Steve was talking about, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says, even if you've had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. And Psalm uh, 68.5 says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And when you think of kind of this, the challenges that we see around us in our culture and, and the different nations of the world, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of fatherless kids and there's a lot of opportunity. You know, we can look at that as a terrible thing, but if we can look at that as a, also an opportunity. But I've chosen one theme today to, to discuss briefly, and that is the, the theme of, you know, as a Christian, I can be a creator of joy, a creator of joy. We used to go down to mission trips down in Mexico, and Matt was part of these teams and stuff, and we would do this little play called La Soya, or Yo Soya Robogoso. Remember that? That's the joy stealer. And so we had this little puppet play about how the enemy comes to steal our joy. 
And I was thinking of that as, as uh, we were preparing for this. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to have children in order to, to be a father. You don't have to have children uh, living at home to, to be in this place, a role of, as, as a father. Uh, I believe that, uh, you know, as this, this creating joy is a responsibility and it's, it's a actual fruit of being a Christian. We have that ability to create joy no matter where we go, whatever situation we find ourselves. And as we're living today in 2021, what the world needs today more than ever is joy. I mean, look, turn on the news, turn on anything, just like, my goodness, it's just tear, tear, tear down. There's no joy anywhere. Uh, the onslaught that has come against us, all sanity around us is is, is lost, and it's, it's designed to separate us, separate families, separate cultures, separate nationalities, separate right from left, separating nations. Most, see, most people seem to be fighting over something. You, you go to a, a store and all of a sudden somebody's pointing at you because you're wearing a mask or pointing at you because you're not wearing a mask or there's, there's just all these different things that are coming against us and challenging us. We as men can bring joy into every situation. As a father, we can bring joy into our families. We can bring joy into our jobs. We can bring joy into wherever we find ourselves. Every relationship can experience the joy. True Christian character has the capacity to create joy. Christianity is not about seriousness and caution. It's primarily about joy. Our goal is to discover who God is and what He has done. Wouldn't that bring joy to you? To know <laughs> my Father died on the cross, sent His Son, that I can, I can live what joy there is. I've got eternal life because of the, all the work that my Father has done for me. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24 says, but we are fellow work, workers for your joy. For your joy. That is what, what we're living for. For by faith you stand. We see King David in, in uh, the Old Testament. He was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. Whenever I, I see people dance, I, I, I see joy coming out of them. Uh, Second uh, Samuel 6.14 talks about, shows how David was dancing before the Lord. But this was after a series of battles. This was after a series of conflict that uh, were waged against the nations of Israel. It seems little different today. There's conflict wherever we turn. There's all kinds of battles globally, whether it's, you know, governments, whether it's business, whether it's all kinds of different challenges. But can we pause for a moment and dance before the Lord and say, Lord, thank you, Father, for where we are today. Thank you, God, for what you have done in my life. And let, allow that joy to come through us and out of us. When we are faced with all the information that floods our air airwaves today, it's very, it would be very easy to think the only response for a fallen world would be to be serious. Heidi Baker, maybe is a lady that is familiar to some of you, it has a ministry in one of the most destitute nations in the world, Mozambique. She ministers to the people who have experienced horrendous events in their lives. 
<clears throat> One of the things that she does is she holds babies in her arms as they die. And she was talking about how that, that brought her real joy. And she began to be really, you know, conflicted with that. Lord, like, how can this give me joy? And the Lord's response to her was, was, was powerful. These people need a reason to be happy. They don't need people who are only serious. They need people who can create joy for them. I'm not asking you to move to Mozambique. <laughs> I'm asking you to draw closer to our Father. Experience the joy that He is giving into our lives. And we can transfer that into every step that we take in our lives. A man I know personally was diagnosed a week ago, Wednesday night, with stage four cancer in his stomach, his lungs, and his liver, and they gave give him a 4% chance of living. On a, on a Zoom call about a week later, a bunch of guys were praying with him, uh, he said this. He says, Wednesday night was probably the darkest night of my life. But he said, you know, I was, I knew there was a prayer. I, I knew there was something that I was supposed to do, and I was kind of resisting, resisting, praying this prayer. But I, I got down on my knees on Thursday, and I said this prayer. Lord, I give you my business. Lord, I give you my, my family. Lord, I give you my home. And he said, after that moment, I realized that this was the best experience of my life. He says, I went from Tuesday being a, a C-minus Christian to probably a B Christian, maybe, on, on Thursday. He said, all of a sudden, I began to realize that even in, in my circumstance, there's joy. And he was just, just bubbly, smiling. I could see he lost weight. I could see all kinds of different things on him. But yet there was this joy that was in him. And on that night, he says, you know, I got good news from the doctor. The doctor, they did another CAT scan, and they said, you know what? We, we said that your lungs were full, and we said that was a terrible thing. And he says, you know, uh, but we did another CAT scan, and most of that, that cancer is gone. There's just a little trace around the bottom of your lungs, and so it's, it's a minor thing now in your lungs. But he was just like, I am using this opportunity to, to bring joy to everybody I come in contact with. Because you go into the cancer clinic, and it's bad. People are down. People are destroyed. But I'm telling everybody about the joy of the Lord, telling everybody about my relationship with my father. And I, I don't wish that experience on anybody. And maybe there's a prayer that you're, you know you're supposed to pray, <laughs> that God is wanting you to do something. And let's just step into that with confidence. Step into that knowing that the joy of the Lord is going to make a difference in me as a man. Because that's, what, what, uh, that's a big chunk of what's, what's happening as families are disintegrating is fathers, men aren't, aren't pick, taking their place. But we have an opportunity to stand in the, that gap and be that, that, that person, that man. I want to close with uh, Matthew 6.33. And a good friend of mine said, uh, just when he got saved, he says, you know, 
I had all these crazy friends and wild friends and stuff like that. They'd come to me with all of these questions about, you know, different things. And he says, the only verse I knew was Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And they'd come in. What about crime? What about all this kind of stuff that we were involved with, this stuff? Hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All things are going to be added unto you. Yeah, well, what about this situation? Hey, God told me, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things are going to be come to, you know, able to come to you, added to you. And so that's where we need to find ourselves. Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm seeking your face. Help me in this situation as a man, as a father, as a, as a leader. God, to understand. And God will come and meet us. Amen. And, and I do want to introduce <laughs> Pastor Mike. He's just a wonderful guy, a good friend, and uh, he will come and share. Hi. My darling wife was the one who was uh, intended to be uh, speaking here today, <clears throat> and uh, I... Uh, she wasn't feeling well this morning, and so, as you know, we're not supposed to be going places if we're not feeling well right now. So you're stuck with me, but I'm going to do my best to actually speak the, the message that she prepared. And so uh, it, starts in, uh, it starts in Psalm 27 and verse 10. We're going to get there in just a moment. But, you know, Father's Day has, uh, it's, it, it's a time when maybe it, brings up all kinds of different emotions. For me, I was missing my dad because, <clears throat> excuse me, he, my father passed away a few years ago, and so I, I miss him. And for some of you, there may be some memories of, of a not-so-great childhood with your dad. It may be that you're a dad and your, uh, your son or your daughter is estranged from you. Uh, those are difficult situations. But uh, the scripture that we have prepared for you here today is uh, from Psalm 27 and verse 10. And it says this, Even if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And, you know, if there's something broken in your relationship with your father or your, your daughter or your son, if there's, if there's been pain in your life around Father's Day or if you have a great, a great experience with your father and are blessed with a, a wonderful, godly father, uh, you know, no matter where we're at, if our fathers or, or mothers forsake us, the Lord will take me up. And that is what I believe that the word of the Lord is for you here today. And, you know, we talked, we heard... Uh, Steve talk about all the good things that fathers bring to their families. And then Gary shared uh, some, some wonderful things about the fact that we can be like a father to other people, even if they aren't our own children. And, uh, of course, you female types, you can be a mother to them as well. Of course, you can take that, that op opportunity. But what does it look like? Sorry, what does it look like for, for God to take me up? Well, first of all, it, it's like he can adopt us. The Bible says anyone who will receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says that those are the people that have the opportunity and the authority to be the daughters and sons 
of God. And so what's important, it's not, of course, in the sense of creation, we are, all of, God's, all of us are God's children, but actually it's especially true for those who have repented and have turned away from their, their sins, have turned toward God and are following Him through the Lord Jesus Christ and have received Christ. Those are the ones the Bible teaches have been given the right the authority to be the daughters and sons of God. So he will adopt us. He'll take care of me. He'll take me in. He'll gather me up. He will receive me. He'll welcome and comfort me. He'll accept me. He'll hold me close. All of these things are, are tied up in that meaning that if my, if my mother or father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Isn't that good news? You know, there's different ways that God... Uh, wants to meet you in your loss. But if my wife was here, she would, first of all, she would tell a story, a story of what happened to her. And uh, when, when we were both a little younger, we were married at the time, and something had happened to her as a child that she wanted to share with her father. She never did, but she wanted to share it with her father. And it, it was a situation that was life-changing in a bad way for her. But there was this opportunity that she took to speak to her father about it. And she had been praying about this. And she was hopeful. She was anticipating that it would be one of those precious father-son, or sorry, daughter-father moments. And you know what happened was her father wasn't in a place himself emotionally to be able to respond the way that she was hoping. She told the story to her dad. And her dad just kind of changed the subject. And he felt awkward. She felt devastated. She didn't say anything about that to her father. But she came home that day, and she was very, very, very distraught. And my wife, uh, in those times when she would get that way, she wouldn't just take a Kleenex. She would take a hand towel, and she would make sure that that, that was, I mean, that, and then she, of course, she'd throw it in the laundry. But, uh, you, you know, it, it was a very very tough time for her, but she had a meeting with God, and I believe that God wants to meet with us in our time of trouble, in our time of pain, no matter what we're going through, God will meet with us. And you know what the Lord said to her? The Lord said this. He said, your father will never be able to give you what you need, but I will. And God will meet with you and me. He will be a comfort to us. He will fill empty voids. He will help us to forgive. He will empower us. You know, the Bible says we can, we can pray and ask God to help us be a good parent. You know, God will come along and, and He will empower us. He will affirm you. I love this scripture in Romans chapter 8. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He'll give you that, come on. He'll give you that, that, uh, that affirmation that you need. In fact, he will cheer you on. He says, listen, uh, don't fear. I'm with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. Be assured, I will help you. And he'll love us unconditionally. Nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God understands you. God understands you. He knows you. He knows you intimately. He's the one who formed you in your mother's womb. 
and one more, he said, I, I will, I will uh, remove your sins as far away as the east is from the west. I love that scripture because, you know, you never get there. If you go, if you go east, you, you, it never stops. You can always go east. You can get to the north, and, and, then, and then it's, it's the end. But from the going west, you just keep going west. As far as the east is from the west, God will remove our transgressions. This is something that uh, is a sure promise to you and me that God will forgive us if we come to him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He, he is faithful to forgive us. Amen. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce Pastor Tanya to you, one of my favorite preachers, and she's uh, actually going to just kind of close things off here for us today. God bless you, Tanya. Thank you. Let's give it up for her. Come on. There we go. Well, I just want to wrap up all these amazing um, messages. We've heard a lot of great nuggets of gold and wisdom. And I had in my heart just a challenge to every man here today. We have natural fathers, and then there's spiritual fathers. Some of you that maybe don't have children yet or have not had any in your lifetime, but you still, this, this call of God remains the same for all men, for all generations. And in Psalm 145, verse 4, it says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall praise your works to another. And I just believe that this is God's plan from the beginning of time. This is how his word gets spread. This is how the gospel message gets spread. One generation shall declare your works to another. And this week when um, I was choosing the song list and we chose the blessing, and I felt it was so fitting, and it, and it was an intentional choice for this Sunday being Father's Day, because it's such a beautiful promise right out of Scripture in number 6. I'm going to read it in a minute. And, but it gives that picture in the lyrics of that song of, I'm going to read them, actually, of this generational um, plan that God has ordained from the beginning of time, of one generation telling of the good works of the other, uh, to the next. And it says, may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Do you see this beautiful plan of God? Whether you are a natural father, you have children, then you might have grandchildren. If you are um, a spiritual father, there might be someone in your workplace. There might be somebody that you are mentoring or that you could mentor. And I just want to challenge every single man and woman. This applies to women, but we're on Father's Day and we're, we're kind of singling out the men here this morning. So I'm going to single out men. Um, that this call, this plan of God is for all men. You're not exempt if you're not a father. This call to praise the name of the Lord, and to tell of his mighty works and his goodness and his faithfulness. It's your job. It's our job to tell to our children, to those in our workplace, to those around us, to maybe another younger person in the next generation under you. This is how we declare the goodness of the Lord. This is how his word goes forth. We have, and I want to challenge 
the men. This is what we do. And this is, he's, we tell of his goodness, how his presence is before us and behind us and beside us and with us. He is a mighty God. And how will the world know? It's by the generations taking the next generation and then that generation taking the next generation and telling them what the Lord has done and will do. And that is the beauty of this plan of God. And I just want to read this promise, this blessing, out of number 6, verse 22. And these were songs that we sang earlier with this song, The Blessing. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and this is a way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, Men, say to the people around you, to the younger generation around you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. One generation praising his name to the next. Amen. One generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's what we see from the beginning of the time. This is God's plan. Whether whoever God has put in your sphere of influence right now, natural children, spiritual children, take a look. Ask the Lord to open your eyes because there is a generation that needs to hear of the faithfulness and goodness of our Father. And that is my charge to you men. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to sing that over you. The Lord bless you. And keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you, and give you peace. Father, we just declare that over the next generation, Lord God, and the next generation, Lord Jesus. 
God, in the next generation, Lord God. We declare that, Lord Jesus. And we just stand here as a testimony of your goodness today, Lord Jesus. We sit here today as a testimony of who you are, Lord God. That there is a God and that he is working in this world. And Father, we pray that today, Lord Jesus, that our lives would reflect your glory. I pray for each father. I pray for each man, Lord Jesus, that they would take up that mantle of fathering the next generation, Lord God. That they would walk in it, Lord Jesus, and they would represent you well to the world around them. And I pray a blessing upon each person watching this today, each person that is here. God, I pray that we would go forth with your anointing, with your encouragement, and with your strength. In Jesus' name, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.